Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. And we're into extra time! Kia ora and welcome to Extra Time. Ko Joe Portaraho. This week we delve into High Performance Sport New Zealand's new strategy, which focuses on athlete welfare. That's in response to several national sporting organisations being accused of mistreating athletes. Allegations of bullying, fat shaming and abuse forced several organisations to undergo both internal and external reviews of their protocols and policies around athlete well-being and high performance. I'm joined by High Performance Sport New Zealand's Chief Executive Michael Scott, the Athletes Federation's Roger Mortimer and Waikato Club rowing coach who also works with youth rowers at New Zealand Rowing, Hannah Starnes, to discuss the shift in the strategy. Will it work? How will athlete welfare be monitored? And will it affect performance? We hear about the pressures athletes face from a high-profile sportswoman who retired from top-flight sport last week. And the government is being urged to make COVID-19 vaccination compulsory for all New Zealand athletes going to this year's Tokyo Olympics. The government's sports minister, Grant Robertson, says athlete welfare is non-negotiable even if an Olympic medal is on the line. He believes high-performance sport New Zealand's new strategy shows lessons have been learnt with funding now contingent on athlete welfare. The need for change is evident, particularly in the athlete welfare and well-being space. We know that there have been a number of reviews into sport, particularly at the high-performance level, where well-being issues have been highlighted. And I'm delighted that the strategy is taking that seriously. That's the Sports Minister Grant Robertson. The New Zealand Paralympic alpine skier Adam Hall says the focus on athlete well-being is particularly important in snow sports, given the age of athletes involved. When you're looking at the talent now, they're starting at such young ages, 18, 12-year-olds, that can start really early. And so you know, having a really good welfare program around that is, is really important, particularly as you mature as an athlete. That's Adam Hall. Well, Michael, we'll start with you as CEO of High Performance Sport New Zealand. How will the new strategy be implemented and how will athlete welfare be monitored? As you mentioned yesterday, we launched our our new strategy for for 2024. There are three what we call system shifts that are all interlinked. Uh, So there's performance pathways, wellbeing engagement and funding investment. Uh, And um, I guess as you started out, first of all, you know, we as an organisation, uh, along with the sports that we work with, acknowledge the challenges that we've had and uh, we know that we must do better going forward. Prior to the launch of the strategy, uh, implemented a number of key initiatives to help progress uh, our work in this space. Uh, we, we launched a mental health strategy. Uh, we've introduced mental health screenings for all carded athletes. We've funded mental health initiatives such as clinical psychology support and introduced private health uh, insurance for all carded athletes. But we've got to do more. And yesterday's strategy outlined uh, how we uh, want to, I guess, shift the dial in well-being across uh, the sports system in New Zealand. Uh, so there, there are several quick things that I'd like to highlight. One, we're going to work with sports to develop objective measures for uh, measuring uh uh, the performance environment uh, that, the, that the athletes and coaches operate in. Uh, secondly, we've got to support mechanisms that uh, uh, 
enable athlete and coach representation and voice. Um, we're going to fund uh, wellbeing manager roles, up to eight of those in targeted sports to lead and facilitate um, wellbeing initiatives in those, those environments for the NSOs. There'll be more investment uh, into uh, athlete and coach wellbeing initiatives, as well as we'll introduce wellbeing as a criteria for investment going forward. Roger, you represent sports people as part of the Athletes Federation. Are you pleased with the new strategy and what gives you confidence that in under this new system, athletes will have the confidence to be able to come forward and express any concerns they have without fear of, of retribution or anything like that? Um, I think firstly, we'd just like to recognise and that, that you know we believe there's a clear intention to address the issues here. And I would personally like to make a specific reference with the progress made under Michael's leadership. Uh, rather than um, kicking the can down the road, he has addressed the issues and, as you'll see in there, that you know, recognises financial distress, young people being ripped away from um, their support networks too young, the coaches, um, um, the stress that coaches are put under, um, treating the, the, the person first, the athlete second, clarity around um, planning going from one, years to, uh, one year to four years. So I really do recognise that, that Michael has made a big effort. Um, and in the past, these really have sort of operated in the dark shadows and, and corners and so forth. Um, there are two critical unresolved factors for us, though. Um, the first one is we believe we're problem solving under an archaic model. Um, and I guess flowing on from that is there's no formal consultation with this key stakeholder group, which is athletes within the framework. Now, these are wider issues than just Michael's role at High Performance Sport, but they are critical. So sport is a relatively young industry, and we have had a traditional model, um, and it is our firm belief that it is now an, an archaic model, and it does need to be looking into, it does need looking into. So all these areas are, are fantastic in terms of what they're looking to um, to address, but there is this fundamental um uh, issue over the overall framework and structure. Can you just give me an idea of what you feel the issues are with the overall framework and structure? Is it just simply what too much of an emphasis on you know success at all costs? Good question. Um, I think just sort of I guess maybe plagiarising something out of the human rights movement is um, nothing about us without us um, is 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 a is, is a phrase they've used and I guess they live by and I guess from an athlete's perspective, decisions are made um, on athletes' behalf and then they're notified after the fact rather than having a, a formal engagement process within it. Um, and let's just use the training grants as an example. Um, I think the intention is superb. They're trying to provide more resource to athletes. Um, the reality is that with an athlete's training, recovery, technical analysis, rehab planning, reviewing, travel, you know, it would pretty much mount to a 40-hour week over a seven-day period. Um, $25,000 is $12.50 an hour. $10,000 is $5 an hour. In New Zealand, we have a legal minimum wage of, of $20 an hour, which is $40,000 a year. So why are athletes treated differently? Um, it's a discussion that needs to take place, and that's what we're saying about this framework. Sports move forward quickly, um, and there are, I think there are some fundamental areas and issues that, that, that need to be addressed. Hannah, you're on the coalface. You've had some issues and challenges before in your role as a, as a women's coach in the sport of rowing. Uh, look, are you, what is your response to the new strategy from High Performance Sport New Zealand and where would you like to see areas of change with regards to athlete welfare? Um, yeah, well, I think it's, it's really cool to hear about this uh, new initiative. It's something that I'm really on board with. Um, I love the idea of you know giving the athletes a voice and having them more involved. I think... Um, 
in terms of uh, what Roger was saying, nothing about us without us, you know, like a lot of us, we, you know, the reason we have jobs and the reason that, um, you know, this, this thing's running is, is because of the athletes themselves and, and having them fully involved in, um, in this whole process is really awesome. Um, I think for me, it just comes down to communication, you know, like I think um, often a lot of this stuff is, um, you know, there's so much going on in the background and, and as a coach, you know, the, the longer I coach for, the more you see this happening is, um, as an athlete, you don't quite realise what's going on in the background. Um, you know, there's so much happening and often you're trying to, as a coach or a manager or behind the scenes, you're trying to juggle so many different elements um, that are going on. So it's quite hard to get that across to the athlete, I think, often. Um, but I think that's where, to me, it's just coming down to communication and, and making sure that, um, you know, that the, the communication channels are open between coach, athlete, manager, all this about the t- decisions that are being made. Um, and, and they do have a say, but it's done in a really, um, you know, rational uh, but kind manner. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Michael, what's your response to Roger's comments before re- the monetary situation of athletes and also the consultation of athletes? Yeah. Uh, well, f- first of all, uh, one of the, uh, I guess, key uh, platforms of the wellbeing strategy is to, you know, strive to get that uh, um, voice and independent representation there so we know um, that that hasn't existed across the board. So it's something that, you know, uh, we, we support going forward. Uh, it's really important to recognise that, that whilst we're not there, not there yet, um, uh, we, we want to start the journey. Um, so, uh, and we're encouraging sports to do that within uh, their individual high-performance programs, but also we need it uh, across uh, the high-performance sector as well. So, so in terms of voice and representation, um, um, I think that's a fundamental that, that, has to, that has to improve. We've taken it, I guess, some way, but not far enough, and we recognise that. And we're in dialogue with the Athletes Federation, uh, with Sport New Zealand, uh, about how we progress that. Um, um, you know, and, and uh, my understanding is we, we are planning a hui with, with, uh, with the Federation, Sport New Zealand and ourselves, and, uh, and athlete representatives and sport representatives uh, in, in the near future. So certainly... Uh, Acknowledge, uh, and and uh, it's certainly our intent that 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 needs to improve. In terms of the the model, um, the board and the minister have asked for a a governance and leadership review of the Sport New Zealand Group uh, to ensure that uh, uh, what you know that the I guess government involvement in investment in sport is is one that's right and fit for purpose for the time. Uh, so, so that will take place and be led by Raylene Castle uh, after my my departure from HBSNZ at the end of of uh, April. So, um, you know, we we've asked sports, uh, you know, to to uh, adjust and future proof, and HBSNZ and Sport New Zealand also have to do that. So, every organisation needs to future proof and needs to look uh, forward. Uh, and uh, hopefully that exercise will uh, see uh, you know, a more, I guess, um, improved model for the, that will meet the needs of, of the sports sector in the future. Roger, what are going to be some of your key messages at that hui? Um, and I think, and if I can just say to Michael, that he, you know, it is recognised what an effort he has made 
to bring this together. He has pushed it very hard, and I'm sure he's under a lot of pressures that we don't understand. So in terms of key messages, it really goes back to what Hannah said, which is communication. Um, and it's, it's formal communication, and everyone has a slightly different version of what does consultation mean, what does engagement mean. Um, there are some very good models out there that... that um, especially in the Treaty of Waitangi space and, and within what um, Māori are doing, I think it's, it, it's very, uh, very revolutionary and um, very advanced in terms of how key stakeholders are engaged. So I, I'm really hoping that we can get together and if, if there is a genuine desire to make this happen by all parties, it really comes down to this formal consultation communication model. And a question for all three, will results be affected by this shift in strategy, moving away from sort of medals being the major focus, winning not at all costs, but success being a large part of it, to athlete welfare? Do you think this will have an effect on the success of New Zealand sport on the international stage? So um, from my, my perspective, I'll chip in first. Uh, our, our strategy, is, uh, and Roger will be aware of this, is, was developed from uh, a 12-year strategic framework uh, uh, called the 2032 uh, High Performance System Strategy. Um, and we're really talking about a, a, a 12-year evolution uh, of the sports system. So our strategy is the first four years implementation of that. For, for wellbeing, um, our focus is, we've, is improving the performance environments in, in which athletes and coach, coaches uh, can thrive and reach their potential. Um, and if that environment is right, um, you know, and th- there is you know, ownership of that environment by athletes and coaches, um, uh, then performances will uh, be positive. Uh, it's when the environments are, are not positive, not conducive to performance, uh, because they don't allow individuals in it to thrive, that it can impact. So our, our goal, our goal is to get repeatable, sustainable success for New Zealand sport. And we believe wellbeing is key to that, with the emphasis being on the performance environments with athletes uh, in particular, but athletes and coaches, you know, have that positive experience and thrive so they can reach their potential. Roger, Hannah, feel free to jump in. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a, a wonderful idea, and I think it's, um, I, I really do believe that if you do it properly, it could work fantastically and I've seen it I've seen it work fantastically in a smaller environment but um, I think it's a really fine balance um, at the at the high performance end because you're taking people um, in a very competitive environment to a place where they they really don't want to go often you know like you're, you're putting these athletes under a lot of pre well you know there's always going to be a lot of pressure so um, again for me it's um, it's having conversations and and really you know getting to know your athletes and connecting with them so um, you know, my eternal question is, can you take them to that place but be there as a safety net for them to make sure that they, um, they're supported while you're pushing them physically past, you know, where they don't really want to be? And that's a really fine line, I think. But, um, but I do believe that if we can get that right, then it will, it will we'll see results. And Roger? Um, oh, for me, it's a no-brainer. I think in, you know, three decades of working with elite athletes in all sorts of different sports at the, at the very highest level, um, the more centred the athlete, the better they perform. Same as any human being in any field, whether you go into medicine or law or, or science or anything. So it, it, it's a no-brainer and it's sort of a misconception that you're sort of trading one for the other. So, um, 
yep, the, the, the more centred the human being, then the more they can do what Hannah's asking, which is go into the places that they actually want to go. That's where athletes want to go. Um, but you talk to experts in the field and it's just very difficult to go there when you're not centred um, in terms of who you are yourself. You have a, some security around your identity and, uh, and so forth. So mm. it, it, it's an absolute no-brainer. And that's a good place to finish. And it moves us on to another pertinent piece of news. The surprise retirement of world champion rower Zoe McBride has highlighted the pressure top flight athletes are under. The world champion New Zealand rower says putting her mental and physical health ahead of sporting success is behind her shock retirement. Still just 25 years old, McBride and lightweight double skulls partner Jackie Kittle were set to be strong contenders for gold at the Tokyo Olympics. But with just months until the Games in Japan is set to begin, McBride has decided to hang up her oars. The lightweight female rowers can't be over 59 kilograms, and she told Clay Wilson the battle to keep her weight down was taking too much of a toll on her health and her life. A lot of it started from... Last year, COVID changed the Olympics and postponed the date. And with lockdown, we were sent back home and we're training and things like that. And over that time, I got a stress fracture in my femur from a few runs, which um, for an injury like that, that was directly caused by my health or lack of health, I guess. So I had a really long time out of the boat and I was really forced to kind of look at where I was in terms of, I guess, being a lightweight rower and why I got injured and I got injured because I wasn't looking after my body and that I was pushing my body too hard to get down to weight. And so my past six months, I've actually got myself into a really good place where I'm very healthy, both mentally and physically. And the position that I'm in right now is for me to get to weight is way too much and will have a massive impact on my health. And it's something that I'm not willing to do. I can imagine this was made doubly difficult by the fact you're not doing this alone. You've obviously got Jackie and you guys have formed a very strong and successful partnership. So can you tell me sort of how difficult it was telling her and how long has she sort of been in the loop about what you were thinking about in this regard? It's really, really hard. It's never easy when you are in a team because my decisions and actions are going to have a massive impact on someone else. But at the end of the day, Jackie and I have always supported each other and been there for each other. And I think we want each other in the boat, but we also want each other to be healthy and happy and able to race. I don't want to speak for her at all, but she supports me. You mentioned it already about the mental side of this as well as the physical side. Just how big a part of it was sort of the mental battles you have to go through in this kind of environment, I guess. Yeah, it was massive. It was not only the side of getting injured and, and the injuries over the years, but um, every year asking myself to get down to weight and manipulating my body just created some really bad and unhealthy habits in my mind um, around my body and food. And it got to a point where it was too much. It was affecting my health and my life. Um, it's really hard to talk about, but I was so ashamed to talk about it for a really long time because... Sometimes when you're in a position like that, it doesn't matter if it's a sport or if it's whatever scenario, like there can be a lot of shame around it and stigma. And yeah, so I, I did, I have struggled for a while and I got to a point where I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore. And then that became easier to talk about and it became easier to get myself back into a position where I was like heading on the right track. I'm sure you're, you're aware that over the last several years, a lot of sports in New Zealand, several sports have been dealing with issues around athlete welfare and 
So in terms of the high performance environment you were in, were you happy with, with everything and, and how that environment was? Yeah, absolutely. I have nothing bad to say about rowing New Zealand or the high performance environment that I'm in. I've always been really, really well looked after and had a lot of support. And I think for me, it was more, you can internalize things and then sometimes the snowball starts rolling and rolling and then you don't really know how to get out of it yourself. So rowing New Zealand have been very supportive and they're so supportive now. And um, yeah, I think a lot of some of those other things are different to what I'm talking about now. New Zealand rower Zoe McBride there speaking to Clay Wilson about her sudden retirement from the sport. And the New Zealand Olympic Committee is being urged to make it compulsory for athletes going to the Tokyo Games to be vaccinated against COVID-19. The government is offering early access to vaccination to top athletes travelling overseas to represent New Zealand. Dave Gerrard is an emeritus professor of sports medicine at Otago University and a member of International Swimming's COVID-19 response group. He believes both the International Olympic Committee and the New Zealand Olympic Committee should be taking a stronger line over vaccinations. While New Zealand athletes will be able to get priority for their COVID jab, the International Olympic Committee is refusing to make it compulsory for those heading to Tokyo. Professor Gerard told sports editor Stephen Hewson he believes athletes have a moral duty to be vaccinated. I'm at odds with the IOC on this. I, you know, I think athletes um, are duty-bound to, to protect themselves and to protect their teammates, uh, just as we in, in the community at large, I think, have a moral obligation to accept the vaccine. There will always be the doubters and the uh, the anti-vaxxers, and I believe they're the people who really just don't understand the science or haven't bothered to look at the irrefutable evidence that, that vaccines save lives. And you need only see what happened with the measles uh, epidemic of, of uh, 18 months ago when you know young children who had been denied the measles vaccine by their perhaps ill-equipped or ill-informed parents were then um, put in a, in a very, very difficult situation and many of these uh, uh, young, young children lost their lives as a consequence. Now, that's a slightly dramatic end of the spectrum. But with COVID, I think we have a moral obligation to look long and hard at the science. As I say, the evidence is irrefutable that the vaccine is an important adjunct to health and safety. And when athletes are mixing in a confined area such as the Olympic Games... I believe it should be mandated that they accept the vaccine unless there's a very strong reason for some pre-existing medical condition or uh, situation of, of um, um, medical requirement that they can't take the vaccine. But I think they'd be very few and far between. So I go out on a bit of a limb here and say that I think we should put up a stand and say to the athletes that you need to be vaccinated um, or you're putting yourself and others at risk, and, and at risk of bringing COVID back to your home country. So you would like to see the NZOC stipulate that as part of membership of the New Zealand team? I would, and it should be based on the fact that I, I know um, Dr Bruce Hamilton, who's the medical lead, has done a huge amount of work in, in uh, dispelling some of the myths and answering the questions that the athletes pose to him. And I've had a few questions posed to me about the safety of the vaccine, whether it might affect an athlete in training. Well, the truth of the matter is none of these things will impact upon an athlete's performance. There may be a little bit of muscle soreness um, around the injection site for a day or two and maybe vague feelings of a flu-like illness, but they're nothing uh, you know, compared to the 
the possibility of contracting uh, COVID. And, and you know, the, the, the doubters and the anti-vaxxers, I think, really just need to sit down and, and uh, take cognizance of the fact that uh, there's so much evidence out there that we should be making this uh, pulsion. If you want to play on our team, that you've got to abide by the rules. And I'm a little bit more strident than many others are in this regard. Have athletes talked to you about how it might affect drug testing? It has been asked of me, and I can give a, a very guilt-edged and secure response to that in the sense that there's nothing in the vaccine that would impact upon or affect the result of, of any drug test. Um, now, I say that um, humbly, but, but certainly in, in regard for the work that I do with the World Anti-Doping Agency as chairman of the Therapeutic Use Exemption Committee, um, there's nothing in a vaccine that is on the prohibited list, and I can give reassurance to athletes that there'll be absolutely no way that they would return a, a false positive test because they've had the vaccine. Well, how much reticence have you got from athletes, or, or is the general feeling, yes, we want to get the vaccine and we want to get overseas and compete? Well, truthfully, I haven't uh, heard a lot of reticence, and I haven't, um, in, in my dealings with, with some of the aquatic athletes, there seems to have been no hard body of, uh, hard core of, of athletes who, who are saying, well, I'm not going to go near a, a vaccine. So I, I, I don't know that it's rampant within sport, but you know, if we look at the population at large, there's always going to be a, a few people who'll be out there thinking that uh, this is not for them for a variety of reasons, some of them absolutely, totally unfounded and, and, and quite, quite wacky. Uh, and in the other cases, it's more a question of not being informed and educated. And I know, as I said earlier, that, that Dr. Bruce Hamilton and his team have, have gone into the way to provide the athletes with all the information that's available, ultimately for them to make their choice, but really it's a no-brainer. That's Professor Dave Gerrard talking to Stephen Hewson. The New Zealand Olympic Committee has responded that despite Professor Gerrard's call to make vaccination compulsory, it won't be doing so, but rather it will strongly encourage athletes to get vaccinated as it will give them peace of mind. That brings us to the end of Extra Time. My thanks to Michael Scott, Roger Mortimer and Hannah Starnes. Extra Time is available every Friday from about 4pm. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, iHeartRadio and of course at rnz.co.nz. Give us a rating if you would, that helps a whole lot and means other listeners can find us much more easily. I'm Joe Porter, Haerenaar. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.